0: Welcome to Evolutions of Astrology. This is Dina DiCastro. On this episode, I discuss the Neptune Square, the second part of the Midlife Transits series. So in the words of John Lennon, life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. And I think that's a perfect quote for the Neptune Square. When I woke up this morning, I had no idea that I'd be doing a podcast uh, today or finishing this podcast rather. So let me explain. (laughs) Um, I started this podcast about 10 days ago, about a week and a half ago, and I started it before... Uh, the weekend and we were heading out of town and I thought, oh, you know, I'll I'll get it started and I'll finish it um, when we get back from our trip. We were heading out to the coast, uh, my partner Brad and I. And so a few things happened that weekend to say the least. And uh, one of which was on the way out to the coast, our car broke down and we ended up getting towed back to Portland and, um, you know, we didn't go on our trip. So we had to kind of re- you know, reorient ourselves to that reality of, oh, well, you know, we, we didn't get to go. We had been looking forward to this for a long time. And uh, that apparently wasn't in the cards for us. Uh, our car didn't get fixed on time and it just, you know, it didn't work out. So so it was like this lesson in surrender, you know, this, and it's a little, a mini lesson compared to the lesson that I've had in the, the past week since then. As it turns out, uh, that Sunday night, uh, after the whole weekend where, you know, I'd been kind of practicing just surrendering and, and reorienting to a, the change of plans, I got a phone call from my grandmother and my dad had gone into the hospital with a stroke. So I was in shock for a couple days. And, you know, then I went through all these different stages of, of panic and, um, really kind of, you know, trying to figure out what this was going to mean for my dad, what this was going to mean for me, what this was going to mean for my family. Um, And what I gradually have realized over the past week is that it's like my hold on everything, my control, my, uh, my ideas about, you know, what I thought was going to happen in the near future, all of it's kind of wiped out. And I just had to completely surrender to this, this change and this new reality. And, you know, I look at it as a combination of things for me. It's, it's a big lesson for me and a life lesson in terms of letting go and surrendering. It's also a lesson in prioritizing. Um, for example, you know, last week, I still was kind of trying to hold on to the vestiges of my life and my career. And I'm like, well, I can't go down, you know, this week because I've got too much going on and too many obligations. And then finally, by the end of this last week, I just realized I have to cancel everything. I have to completely just wipe the slate clean and live in the moment and in the day and say, well, what's going to be next? So that's where I am today, and tomorrow I'm leaving uh, to go down to California and be with my dad. He's actually doing better right now. He had been in pretty serious condition all of last week, and we were really concerned about his possibility of recovering, Um, but this week things are looking brighter as of Sunday. uh, He's started to become more alert and more aware, and it looks like he may be able to start uh, rehabilitation with a stroke, and so we're really hopeful. And so, you know, I wanted to put this out there. You know, I'm just going to actually put the uh, the recording that I had done before all of this happened. After this introduction here, and uh, I'm sure you'll forgive any imperfections. It's just going to be pretty pretty much as is. I'm not going to do any really any editing work to it. But um, I think that this is all very Neptunian for me. This is, this is about surrender. It's about, you know, over the past 10 days, kind of this gradual erosion of uh, control and that I've had to just surrender to and to accept what's in front of me. Um, and, you know, one thing about a Neptune transit that, that I've experienced so far is that uh, it, it's kind of like being in a fog and you can't see what's, what's in front of you too far. You know, you can only see so far and that's so hard. That is the hardest thing for me. I think for most of us, you know, to not be able to predict and lay out what's going to happen a month from now, two months from now, a year from now. And I find myself you know, trying to plot different tracks of possibilities. And that's, you know, kind of a waste of time. I was talking with a friend of mine who gave me a reading last week, and he said, you know, some, a tendency that you could have uh, with your particular way of looking at things is to try to plot out all the different contingencies and the what-ifs and to their natural conclusion. But ultimately, that's a waste of energy. It's a waste of mental energy. It's a waste of, of time. And in a Neptune time, I think I can only look at what's right in front of me and not uh, try to control and predict what's going to happen later. So with that, um, I'm going to just let the other uh, podcast that I had already recorded roll. And I'll come back at the end and kind of wrap it up. Um, so, I want to introduce Neptune Square by saying that anyone born between 68 and 71 is currently undergoing a Neptune Square. Um, I'm right in the middle of that. I'm born in 69. And Neptune is now at 28 degrees of Aquarius, will station retrograde on May 31st uh, at 28 degrees, and then goes back to 25. And then goes forward again until it goes to into zero degrees Pisces which is going to be next April uh, 2011 so it's a very Neptunian time that we're entering into as the collective when Neptune goes into Pisces next year so with that here is the Neptune square Welcome to part two of the midlife transit series. This is the Neptune square, and I'll be talking about it from inside of it. uh, With I'm sure as much clarity as a Neptune square will offer. Uh, I am right in the middle of mine, so I started into Neptune square last year, two thousand nine, and I had my first exact peak uh, February of this year, and it's still going to be within range for about another year and a half or so. It's, you know, you can get that kind of spread out, you know, it can even come into five exact contacts with your Neptune. So it can last two years, but you can kind of get a little preview action like I did last, uh, last February, March, and then it will come around again to the exact hits. But the first exact hit for me um, in February coincided with some interesting things in my life and career. Uh, Before we get into that, I'd like to go back to Pluto Square and say that I got several really uh, wonderful responses to that podcast. Uh, People sharing their experiences, people letting me know that they appreciated that. um, I talked about my personal experience and kind of Just knowing that, you know, they weren't the only ones going through it or having gone through something like that was helpful. So I'm glad I did that one. Um, I'm glad I put my stuff out there, even though it was a a little frightening at the time. I did receive a couple emails that I wanted to share. And the first one is from a listener who shares about her Pluto square from inside of it. She's currently going through it. And her Pluto square is happening in her uh, to her natal Pluto in her sixth house and is transiting through her ninth. Uh, she's a Pisces. And I'll just read some excerpts from that, that email. So it all started with the realization of monetary impermanence as a huge client of my husband decided not to pay him for a job following was lawyers and the possibility of a lawsuit. Then my father-in-law had a major heart attack. This in itself is Plutonian, life and death stuff, but to add to the mix, he was our main source of work contacts. With his health needing his immediate attention, all focus was off work, of course, and on more immediate matters. Thus, we had no work, got behind on bills, and ended up having to file bankruptcy. That's Pluto for you. Life or death fear, check. Money fear, check. White-knuckling fear, the utter terror, albeit rather unrealistic, of not being able to take care of your family that takes your breath away, check. The 3 o'clock a.m. anxiety that has your first rebalancing your checkbook in your head for the 10th time that hour, all the while playing out the scenario of being homeless living in a van down by the river, check. The fear that comes when you feel completely out of control, check. Pluto, for me, personifies riding a huge wave, Pisces that I am, water metaphors abound. If you fight it, it is terrifying. But if you release to the wild wind, you might actually have some fun. What? Pluto and fun in the same sentence? So, lest you think this is a sad tale, let me tell you Pluto's shadow has a serious butt kicking. But the gifts have been profound. Gifts like the knowing that I can face the dark night of the soul and still find hope, ninth house transiting Pluto. Issues like can I let go of my need to control, have things fair? Pluto in the sixth house, Libra, and have a systematic plan to dive into the deep waters of unknown risk, ninth house? Can I let go and have faith that although the path ahead is indeed clouded in darkness, the way is clear? How does that translate in form? Well, without work, I was spurred to get proactive and find a way to increase income. I've been studying astrology for a while and have been traipsing the edges of doing anything remotely professional with it. Now I had to face whatever fears that were holding me back and get moving. So my friend put together a website, I put the word out, and wham, I'm doing readings for free. Wouldn't have happened without the need to just do it. For that I am grateful. The freedom that bankruptcy has brought has been enlightening and epiphanies abound about how trapped I have felt by debt these all, all these last years. It felt so freeing to get rid of our accumulated stuff, physical and mental, as we pare down our possessions and embrace living more simply. I have a new gratitude for the health and happiness of my children and my husband. I have realized a new and exciting shift in some relationships as some fall away with judgment of my recent choices and others solidify with new grace and trust. Pluto has a way of clearing out all extemporaneous stuff as you focus like a lightning bolt on the necessity of what's important. That is so true, I read somewhere that with anything Plutonian, you must be able to release and let go of something, something important, most likely, something that your ego needed to define itself. With this weeding out, much like fire in a forest, soon after the experienced wasteland, new growth reaches toward the sun. Thus is the gift of Pluto, if we can just embrace the process. So I want to really thank that listener for sharing that because it really touched on so many things that... Um, I had said in the podcast last time, and strangely enough, <laughs> synchronicity abounds, she had sent me that um, right about the same time I had published the podcast. So she hadn't had a chance to listen to the podcast yet, but had written that beforehand because she had wanted to share it. And I said, oh, don't worry, I'll share it on the next one. So um, I'm really glad she did. And I also received another email from a listener along the same lines who shared with me her Pluto experience. She says, Hi Dina, I have listened avidly to your show for quite some time, but this is the first time I'm writing to you. I was gratified to hear you talk about Pluto transits in your most recent podcast, perhaps because they have been and are now such a powerful force in my life. In 1999, Pluto began doing its Shiva shuffle over my ascendant at 10 degrees Sag, and by the beginning of 2002, both my personality and the externals of my life were completely unrecognizable. I had to learn a completely new way of being in the world and in myself, and I grabbed onto astrology, among other things, for survival, the way somebody lost in the wilderness grabs onto a map. I'm becoming even more intimate with Pluto now. Since the beginning of last year, Pluto has been opposing my natal sun, conjuncting my natal Mars and sextiling my my natal Saturn at 2 degrees Cancer, Capricorn, and Scorpio, respectively, and will keep on dancing with them until at least the end of next year. The, The Pluto transit so far hasn't been as traumatic as its dance over my ascendant, probably because I have so much less to lose than I did back then, and perhaps because I've learned, to some extent, to let go when things start to hurt rather than clinging tighter. So, I want to thank that listener as well. And I really appreciate you both sharing those stories because I think, as astrologers, you know, the only way that we can learn is from our own experience and from the experience of the clients. It's reality that tells us what these transits actually mean. And when we start seeing transits correlated to similar life circumstances over and over again, you know, we can then make the meaning out of it but if we don't have this to go from then it just becomes abstract theory so i'm really grateful to get that kind of feedback and real life experience from from listeners and from my my clients in my practice so with that let's go on to neptune square neptune square is happening for those people born between 68 to 70 roughly depending on your birthday And if you have your Neptune in late late, uh, Scorpio, you're undergoing the the Neptune square. So I'm going to begin again this time with a few quotes from the experts. So Erin Sullivan, in her book, The Astrology of Midlife and Aging, writes about the Neptune square and psychological imagery. Neptune is the agent of slow dissolving change where one is vaguely aware of a subtle but effective erosion of sharp edges, absolutes, and concrete beliefs and systems. During this entry stage to midlife, the soft, gentle corrosion of your hard-won ego is part of the sense of disappearing or loss of glamour. Some individuals experience their midlife as a slow process of slipping away, not the sharp shock of Uranus but the gentle fog of Neptune. And from Brad Kachunas' book, The Astrological Imagination, and his essay, The Images of Midlife, When Neptune squares itself, it brings the dissolution of paradisiacal consciousness. The dreams and fantasies that we have held about life and carried for so long begin to erode. We are kicked out of the garden, losing the Eden of youth, health, vitality, innocence, and immortality slipping easily into the pre-cosmic night sea where we anxiously paddle and seek handhold to keep us from drowning. Some of this frantic splashing moves us toward superfluous attempts to recapture the dreams, to hang on to our youth, to sustain our attractiveness. We often feel the urgency to act upon longings before they entirely slip away like sand through the hands of time. And from Robert Hand's Planets in Transit, he writes of Neptune Square Neptune. During this period, you are likely to intensely question your life, your goals, and how far you have fulfilled your ideals. Depending upon the results of that evaluation, you may begin to make certain changes. The problem is that Neptunian vibrations are not the best influence for making well-thought-out changes in your life. There is a great danger that you will go off half-cocked in pursuit of some dream that is unrealizable and not even worth realizing. It's very important to use this period for self-scrutiny, but it is not a good idea to act yet. If you act too quickly, you will only create severe disturbances in your emotional and domestic life or in your work. You are likely to operate on the basis of partially formed ideas about yourself and your needs. Unfortunately, since you are in your 40s, you have probably convinced yourself that you know who and what you are, and perhaps you have known, but the function of this transit is to make you reevaluate who you are which at this moment you do not know. The best solution is to recognize the situation and simply allow yourself to see the truth, whatever it may be. Give yourself plenty of latitude and have whatever experiences seem necessary. Just don't make any permanent commitments during this transit. You don't want to spend the rest of your life with the consequences of ill-considered actions taken under the influence of a passing delusion. That's uh, Rob telling it how it is um, (laughs) under the Neptune Square. And then finally, uh, Liz Green wrote an entire book on Neptune called The Astrological Neptune and the Quest for Redemption. And she writes, Watching Neptune moving over various natal planets in the charts of astrological and therapeutic clients, I have observed this process of sacrificing a cherished fantasy of redemption through the loss of a person or object or situation upon which the image of the Redeemer has been projected. There always seems to be an opportunity to discover where one has been bartering, and thus to understand better the nature of love, which contains respect, in contrast to the urge for primal fusion, which may trample over others' boundaries. The passage of a transit, however, does not guarantee that we will take such an opportunity. More often, the loss engendered by Neptune's difficult transit is blamed on the heartlessness of somebody else, and a new Redeemer is duly sought. And so on that last one, i just like to expand a bit on that idea of redemption, because it is uh, the theme of the entire book, that huge book on Neptune. She sums it up best in the first sentence of the book, actually. The longing for redemption is an ancient, strange, and many-headed daemon which dwells within even the most earthbound and prosaic of souls. Sometimes eloquent and sometimes mute, the stamen aspires towards some dimly-sensed union with an all-seeing, all-loving, ineffable other with a capital O, in whose encircling embrace may be found ultimate solace for the harsh limits of mortality and the frightening isolation of individuality which lie embedded somewhere, albeit unconscious, in every life. So the idea of redemption is similar to... For me, to the idea of romantic love, but it's not focused on one person. It's it's that longing that we have for uh, connection with something larger than ourselves that will kind of enfold us like the womb and make us feel that everything is all right. Um, You know that connects to a lot of Neptunian themes. One would be the idea of escapism, as a way that people try to get that sense of connection. Uh, As you may have heard, Neptune, you know, as ruler of Pisces is also associated with things like addiction and addictive behavior, alcohol and drugs as a path, for example, to uh, Neptunian consciousness. Uh, And that urge to connect, that urge to feel dissolution that is actually comforting because it helps us to feel connected and not separate not cordoned off into our own ego consciousness um, is really what neptune is about and so when you're in a neptune transit and that's happening things get foggy things get permeable Uh, your boundaries are not clear anymore what you thought was true isn't true. What you thought wasn't true is true. Things can be upside down, like in a dream. Now, I think of Alice in Wonderland and that story, and to me, that's a very Neptunian story. It's about the travel into the other world that, uh, where everything is as you didn't think it was, and everything isn't as it should be. And it's very confusing and disorienting. And it's going to feel that way, particularly under the hard uh, aspects of Neptune. So the Neptune, Neptune square is, is the pinnacle of that. Well, I've been undergoing Neptune transits for a while. Uh, it began with Neptune conjunct my midheaven back in about 2003 to 2005. And when I think back to that period and how, how it is reflected in my life, Um, I went through a phase where I was literally unemployed from a uh, traditional job. You know, I had trained to be an English teacher at the community college level, and that's what I've been doing up until about 2000. And then I had put out my shingle as an astrologer and was kind of doing both, you know, like I'm doing now again, both um, teaching community college and being an astrologer. And then uh, I decided to leave the community college job and just try to be an astrologer for a while. And it was it was difficult financially. It was difficult to um, to make it happen and to make it so that it was supporting me. You know, it was hard work. I found myself feeling very disillusioned about that decision by about 2003, you know, about two to three years into it going, okay, well, maybe I'm supposed to go back to teaching. Problem is at that time, the economy was so bad that I I could not get a teaching job. There was just nothing available. And so for those two years, between 2003 to 2005, I was really feeling like well what what am I supposed to do you know what is my place I guess maybe I'm being told to continue being an astrologer and I was really trying to make it about an either or kind of thing you know either the universe is telling me not to do this or that I'm supposed to do this and I'm confused I don't know what I'm supposed to choose so I went through a a real struggle during that time Uh, owning my career identity as an astrologer and also discarding or feeling like I should discard or let go of the teaching identity. And ultimately what came out of it as it, as it resolved and was over in 2006 was I got my teaching job back. Strangely enough, you know, as soon as Neptune stopped camping out on my (laughs) midheaven, my teaching job came back and so I, I continued to do both for a long time, and still off and on am doing that. Um, so some you know some combination of teaching and astrology seems to be what's in the cards for me, and I kind of just surrendered to okay, I'll I'll take whatever's showing up uh, for me to do uh, career wise, and you know with the intent that I, I wanted to be an astrologer, but I I just was kind of beaten into submission into accepting what was showing up and what keeps coming back, you know, along with the astrology, which is which is now going well, is also teaching. And so what I've come to realize as Neptune is still continuing to trek through my 10th house is that uh, I need to surrender a bit more to what's showing up at the time and go with the flow of that. Uh, teaching jobs, you know, keep coming my way, even though just about every other quarter I say I'm I'm leaving that. <laughs> so it's been kind of this continuing Neptunian feeling about uh, my career in that way. So now, as I'm going through my Neptune square, those those themes really did come to a peak, particularly this last February when I uh, had my first exact peak of the square. What happened this February was I I was teaching uh, at the college and I was having some difficulties and uh, it was a really stressful quarter. I had three classes and and 80 students. And uh, so every two weeks I'd have 80 papers to grade. And then astrology, you know, continued to get busier. So I was running my business as an astrologer and then also teaching at the college level, grading 80 composition papers every other week. And it was just kind of insane. And I got really burned out. And I went through this crisis in February, where I just was ready to to quit and say, you know, hire a sub. <laughs> I'm done. Um, I'm exhausted. I'm fried, you know. Um, and I got through it. I, I was able to kind of vent with some people that that I trust and are close to me and uh, to get back my head back in the game to get through the rest of the quarter and to reconnect with why I like teaching. What is it that I feel is useful about it? What I realized was going on was that it, as that Neptune square was connecting to my natal Neptune, Here's here's what I saw. Uh, Neptune natally is in my sixth house, it's conjunct my Mars, and it's the ruler of my north node. So a lot of what I feel connects me to that something higher, that something bigger than me, is a path of practical service. And what I really feel that I am doing when I'm teaching or when I'm being an astrologer is that I am doing something that is providing a service that I can see the physical results of. With teaching, um, I work to help people develop their writing skills. And I work with with students that are having particular troubles with their writing skills. And so I take a lot of uh, satisfaction actually from being able to see the results of my helping them in their papers as it goes through the quarter. Now, that doesn't happen all the time. That actually happens just a percentage of the time. But when it does, that's what really makes it worthwhile to me. So that is where I left off with my my Neptune Square discussion uh, that I started 10 days ago. And uh, I think you know, it's it's interesting to listen back to it for me because of how it relates to now. And something that occurred to me too is that, as I've said before, you know, we can never predict what transits uh, how they are going to manifest in our biographical lives. We think we know what it's about until we get further into it, and then we find out, oh no, that's what it was about. And then even if we kind of glom onto something that we think. Is the physical manifestation of a transit and try to make it about that, then it's not really about that either. So, you know, I think it's, it is about, you know, my career and my teaching and, and all of that. Uh, But that's only a part of it, obviously, as, as this other situation with my dad is unfolding in my life and will be for, for a long time. Um, I'm also coming up on my uranus opposition uh next week (laughs) so (laughs) my first exact hit of that and that was going to be my next podcast so i'm gonna say that you know tentatively i'll be back uh, sometime within the next month to do a podcast i don't know however uh what that's going to look like or when so bear with me on that um Stay in touch. please feel free to send me your emails about anything. Um, I love hearing from listeners and don't feel like you're bugging me. Um, it's actually been therapeutic for me uh, during this time to have some, some work to do here and there. And uh, you know, it just is a matter of for me figuring out when I need to, to not do that and when it's okay to do that. So if you don't hear back from me right away, you'll know why. Uh, but feel free to continue to email me your stories and your responses to the podcast. I really do appreciate hearing from people. So thank you for listening, and I hope to be talking to you again soon.